Money, money, money. The word of the day, the week, who knows how much longer. If there's a lesson here, it's always take the money. You know what I just saw on Bird Twitter? Bird in hand. Justin just um, informed me of something very special. Our neighbors right here, if we open the studio door, 680 News, City News 680, celebrating three decades today, breaking news, traffic, and weather. Um, happy birthday to our friends right outside our door. 30 years. Longer than I've been alive. There you go. There Very you special. Go. One day we can hope that we have this show for 30 years. Justin. 30 years. 30 years of the Fan Morning Show. Congrats, besties, over there. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, let's go to our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That's Joe House, host of the Fairway Rolling Podcast and co-host of the Ringer Gambling Show. Uh, Joe, I'm not really sure if it qualifies as a where-were-you moment yesterday when we heard the news that the PGA Tour was being swallowed up, I guess, by Liv. Uh, but I'll ask you, where were you, and how did you uh, consume said news? Yeah, I was actually in the middle of uh, one of my weekly podcasts getting ready for the next NBA Finals game, and it came across the ticker, and I kind of didn't believe it. And then my phone uh, started behaving in uh, a a manner similar to a sex toy. Am I allowed to talk about that on on radio? (laughs) Uh, You're flirting with it. <laughs> I'm right on the, the edge. Uh, I, 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 I had to hide my phone somewhere where it would stop making noise because okay. we had a we had a show to do, my friend. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, it was it was you know fairly early in the morning, and off we went. It was a long day yesterday. Uh, so, in terms of like knee jerk reactions, um, who won? Who lost? Like, what was your? Where did your mind go first in terms of like the people who were most affected by this announcement? So the people most affected by the announcement are, are, are the tour players themselves, and primarily the twenty twenty five PGA Tour guys that did not make the jump over to live. Uh, those guys, I think, have a legitimate gripe for, in the first place, not being told that this was in the works, but also if, if there is going to be a combination of the, of the tours, uh, a legitimate basis for arguing that they are vital to the, the ongoing success of the, the mutual enterprise, and they have to be compensated in some way that recognizes their contribution to this, this, this TV show that they're all going to be on at some point, probably starting next year. A lot of the details about when the actual guys that made the jump over to the Live Tour and the PGA Tour guys will be on the same golf course at the same time in PGA Tour events. Obviously, in the majors, they're competing against each other uh, once again. But I I think, you know, and and then in terms of, uh, you know, big-picture winners, this, I think, is very much in alignment with the ultimate Saudi goal which is to, uh, you know, it's part of their vision statement that, that's a, a public document they put out, you know, a number of years ago. They want to diversify their economy so that, um, you know, they're not entirely 100% oil reliant. And that, that diversification means welcoming in, you know, the Western world uh, in the form of, you know, participation in, in the Middle East as a potential uh, tourist 
uh, designated tourist place, place for, for Westerners to come visit, and then also you know the acceptance of Saudi money uh, all over the world in enterprises that don't have anything to do with oil. So, um, you know, the live tour was always a proxy for one, a vehicle for one that, that goal. But, you know, I think we, they, they can say, well, mission accomplished. They could check that box as it relates to their participation in professional golf. Someone that's going to wear the face, I think, a lot of this over the next couple of days is Rory McIlroy, who is here um, in Canada, in Toronto, for the Canadian Open, and will speak to the media after uh, his round this morning. So it's crazy because a year ago, 52 weeks ago, he was um, on the podium as well with a little bit of a different tone. Um, they had just started the live tour, and he was kind of victorious in standing for what he believed in the P- PGA, obviously turned down his own opportunity, and now he's going to have to have a little bit of a different tone talking about where this went and being blindsided by it all. So how do you think Rory reacts? Where does he go from here? Do you think there is a route where these players that you know stayed with the PGA will get compensated for doing so, or are they just left with uh, emptier pockets and, and an opportunity to maybe have been blindsided and try to work through that? Yeah, let me answer that um, last question first, Amish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, um, there's no doubt that some number of guys are going to be compensated. There's going to be some kind of make-whole effort, and there's already kind of in place the um, mechanism for that. The tour it, itself you know, devised this, this uh, way of compensating players for their impact on the, on the tour product, the so-called PIP program. And so I, I expect that thing perhaps will re- receive an infusion of cash. And that thing, you know, was, was a, a means by which to pay uh, their, their top 10 most impactful players in terms of media exposure, TV exposure. So I do think for sure that there will be some kind of effort uh, to, to compensate the guys, the question about Rory's reaction and what to expect out of that press conference, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, the stories yesterday suggest that, that neither Rory nor Tiger were briefed in advance of, of the announcement. Now, whether or not they knew that the, the news was going to be broken yesterday and the manner in which it was delivered, that's kind of one question. I, I, I do think... I have to think that Tiger and Rory, at some point over the past two months, if it's really the case, as has been reported, that this deal was in the works for the past two months, that those two guys had a sense that this was possible. Um, but I do, it, it, I think it's very possible that, that um, the announcement caught them as flat-footed as it caught the rest of the world. Um, and and it, it really is very, very interesting. It was a kind of stunning uh, the timing of, of this whole thing, because, you know, there, there is, we haven't had an answer yet to why it was so Im- important and imperative for the parties to announce the deal yesterday. Still don't have an answer for that. Okay. So we know why the PGA tour did this uh, money, um, but money were they like, they, they were resistant initially, right? Like they wanted to fight. They wanted to fight for their territory. They wanted the PGA tour to win this battle. I think maybe for a second, they believed they could win this battle. But is there something about the PGA Tour, the way it operates, the nonprofit uh, portion of this, where they realized they couldn't win and protected themselves by accepting the money? Is that were they, like, did they set themselves up for failure somewhere along the way? And it wasn't just about, hey, we can all be richer. And it was, uh, hey, this is the only way we can survive. 
I, there, there, there's no doubt that, that money was the driver. And um, I think the combination of forces that, you know, caused the tour to feel economic pressure was the, the hit on their own reserves, right? So they, they built up a, a pretty healthy cash reserve over the years. That reserve was tapped twice in kind of a double whammy way uh, in the first place by the pandemic where they went into their reserves and helped subsidize players, you know, because there were less events for um, 20 months. They helped players, you know, with, with those reserves um, with a stipend over that period of time. And then right on the, the heels of that, the live challenge, you know, came, came out of uh, thin air and the tour in, in less than 12 months was announcing gigantic increases in purses in another dozen events. And, you know, the combination of, of those two things, plus one thing that has gone underreported but is unquestionably impacting the bottom line for the tour, the tour had a deal for a 12-year, you know, $4 billion deal with Discovery TV for worldwide streaming of tour property. When, when, when Discovery and, and Warner Brothers merged, that was one of the first things that got cut. And there was no replacement for that. Now, the, the, the tour did sign a, a, a good deal with ESPN Plus as a streaming partner, but it was $170 million a, de- a year that the tour was expecting from this discovery deal that is gone. So, um, yeah, there's no question that there's economic pressure. And the, one of the announcements, one of the aspects of the announcement yesterday is the creation of a for-profit entity um, in this, this combined Saudi uh, tour, you know, merger. And that for-profit entity that's going to hold all the interest, that thing for sure can give out guaranteed contracts. Mm. So that might be another way that we see the top 25 or 30 guys on tour compensated for this. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like some NBA contracts, right? Like 10 years, $320 million to Hideki Matsuyama. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if over the next 12 months we start to see those kinds of arrangements come into, come into view. So can golf survive that structure? Because the beauty of golf is, hey, you're playing for your purse every weekend. Uh, if everyone has guaranteed contracts, does golf lose its soul in a way? There still is, you know, the element of meritocracy for anybody that doesn't have a guaranteed contract, I guess. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the, the purses are still alluring enough and, you know, I, we, we don't really know the answer except we saw how competitive the live guys have been in the majors and the majors will continue to be, you know, very, uh, uh, interesting, compelling, you know, legacy defining, uh, history defining uh, events. And the, the best the tour can hope for is the 12 to 14 events that, it has elevated and given status to, and, and those events have some history, both in terms of the venues they're competed in and the, and the brand, you know, like Jack's term, the Memorial, you know, is regarded as one of the, the premier events. Tigers event out in Los Angeles in February, that's a premier event, the Players Championship. Those, those events all have history and, you know, venue identity and that, that kind of thing. Um, so I think those competitions will still be, compelling but you know in terms of rank and file regular way for events 
I don't know. I mean, they, they, they very well may lose a little bit uh, of their edge, Justin. It's a remains to be seen. Talking to Joe House, host of the Fairway Rule and podcast and host of the Ringer Gambling Show. So the biggest villain in all of this and maybe in sports today is Jay Monahan, of course. Do you think he can survive this and his role moving forward, the players, their perspective of him, the 180 flip, uh, taking the money and, and seemingly going back on everything he had to say in his morals. Can he survive this moving forward? No, I don't think so. Mm. Uh, he, he will get, you know, a wonderful parting package. Um, and, but I just don't think that there is any upside to the tour, um, the, 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 you know, the decision makers um, being defiant that the, he, he, the players feel extraordinarily uh, undercut by this. Um, and the inability of Monahan and, and the decision makers at the tour to prepare their most important constituency for this possibility and to walk them through the rationale and to try and make a compelling case to them. The manner in which they dropped it on, on the players and the rest of the world yesterday, I think, seals Monahan's fate. There is a trust that's been broken that can never be restored. And so I, I don't think the players will want him as the, uh, you know, the outgoing face of, of the tour going forward. I don't know who the potential candidates are to replace him, but, you know, he'll get a terrific parting, parting gift uh, for his time and energy. But I don't think that the, the, the players, he, he's lost confidence. He will not get a vote of confidence. And I think, you know, in short order, um, he'll no longer be the commissioner of the tour. So the Live guys were uh, victory lapping yesterday on Twitter and on other uh, social media platforms. Um, and I guess that makes sense. I don't know if it's proof that it wasn't just about the money, what they were fighting for, what they were doing, what they were standing for. But, you know, Phil, it wasn't just money for Phil. Phil was talking about, you know, how the PGA Tour does things the wrong way and the PGA Tour sort of uh, stubs its own toe over and over and over again and golf could be in a far better place if the PGA Tour wasn't in charge of it. Um, so I guess the question is, is Phil justified in everything he was standing for over the last two, three, four, five years? So I would gently push back on the idea that it wasn't just about money. It's always just about money. It's always only been just about money. And when it comes to Phil Mickelson, it's definitely just about money. Uh, that, that guy definitely needed the money that, that he got from the live situation. What produced the response by the tour in terms of increased purses and, you know, ensuring that most of the best guys play most of the events. There, there were pathways to that. And there's no question that the live tours arrival and initial success was an accelerant in having the tour, you know, both increase its purses and change its, its calendar in a manner to have most of its best players playing more often. And in that respect, you know, the, the, television product has gotten better. So I guess if you want to say that, you know, Phil Mickelson had a role in accelerating the schedule in which, you know, th those two things happened, I guess I, I can sort of begrudgingly accept that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it wasn't sustainable. It's not sustainable for the tour. They can't afford it, um, which is why, you know, we're, we ended up in this position where they had to find an economic partner to help them subsidize this thing going forward. So I don't, I wouldn't say that, that, you know, Phil won. Um, 
or, or even was, was vindicated. I think ultimately this, this product needed to, uh, you know, be improved in this manner and the live uh, situation accelerated it. And that's about all that I'm willing to concede, I would say. If you're able to put aside the moralities and the flip-flop and the 180 and the blindsiding of all this and you zoom out, is the great irony that golf is maybe in the best place to have everyone back together under one umbrella moving forward? Uh, ultimately, yes, for the purposes of folks that like to watch competitive golf mm-hmm. on television. And it remains to be seen whether or not we, you know, the, the average television consumer um, will be able to get past, you know, the, the, the strange bedfellows that are producing this thing. But, you know, the, the, the majors are the, the proof of concept, right? The majors have, have been receiving television ratings that are as good as, as they've ever been. And, you know, both the Masters and the PGA Championship and this upcoming U.S. Open, I think will we'll continue the trend of, you know, very high interest in um, competitive professional golf. So in, in that respect, the TV product um, for sure should, should be better. And I think the average television uh, consumer of professional golf w- will enjoy the product. Um, from the Saudi perspective or the PIF, which I don't know, it just doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Um, is, this, <laughs> is this akin to like the perfect crime or the perfect strategic execution or do you think the PGA tour is like fully to blame for having to sell the game of golf to people uh, who maybe shouldn't be in charge of the game of golf? Um, did, when you said strategic execution, that was deliberate. I, I, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, sure. Yes. No, no, no question about it. I mean, I, I think, you know, the Saudi goal was as, as kind of described Earlier, they have this this vision of making Saudi Arabia, you know, more palatable on the worldwide stage, and and the way one of the ways they're doing this are these massive um, injections of cash, these massive investments in Western sports. It's why you see the ownership of of a variety of Premier League teams. It's why you see these gigantic contracts they're offering to Premier League uh, and and UEFA stars. Um, you know, to come play in, in Saudi Arabia. It's why you see them in the F1 space. It's why you see them potentially partnering up with uh, the worldwide entertainment, the wrestling uh, enterprise. And so that, but that's just sort of one element of it. Um, and, and, and golf was, was certainly part of that plan. And, you know, by all measures, you would say they've, they've achieved their goal. They're, they're now a partner with the, the, the worldwide tour the single tour, there's, there's one tour on planet Earth for, for, for professional male golf, and the um, Saudis have, have the purse. So I would say it, they would view it as an as a unabashed success. Where does it leave Greg Norman? In all, uh, there's a lot of people we got to figure out where it leaves them, but where does it leave Greg Norman in all this? Um, he and Jay Monahan might find a beach, too. They might bump into each other on the same beach. <laughs> it might be the beach down in... Uh, uh, Ziwat Neho, it, it, it could be the Shawshank Redemption. I mean, I, you know, who knows? I, that, that, that guy, he, he's not going to be part of the ongoing enterprise. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody regards his stewardship of that vehicle as, as a success. It was an impediment to getting 
this deal done, um, you know, by the reports that, that, that we heard, or it was a necessary element of getting the deal done, which was him no longer having any involvement in it. So the Canadian Open is like oddly linked to this conversation because um, Monaghan was strong in his words at the Canadian Open last year, and now the Canadian Open has been sort of disrupted here by the, the news that uh, the PGA Tour has basically been swallowed up by the Saudis. Um, you can still get it two ways. Like attention is normally good uh, if it's good or bad, but the Canadian open seemed to have like a triumphant moment with Rory winning. And then, you know, speaking ill of Greg Norman and, and taking the shots he did, but it feels like the Canadian open may not be in a necessarily a great spot here with this news. Uh, do you think, you know, the tournament can be a successful one this weekend because we're going to it and we hope it's good. I think it's going to get a ton of eyes. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, this isn't the, the the Canadian Open didn't do anything wrong. It just happens to be, you know, uh, the the venue for for the tour this week, and you know, the the heightened interest for sure in, in the tour this week should mean um, a lot of eyes. And a, and a, a, there's no reason that that the tournament can't be a great success. The field is good. I mean, in addition to to Rory, you have you know the U.S. Open. Reigning champion Matt Fitzpatrick is there. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton has been playing great. The American um, up-and-comer Cameron Young is there. You know, Open Championship uh, uh, winner Shane Lowry. It's a good field. And, and Roy, you know, defending is, is always, um, you know, an, an item of interest. So I, I think there should be a lot of eyes on, on the event. I don't think it necessarily um, will be a bad thing. Yeah, there's a couple guys from the 20 to 25 that didn't take that live money and may have wished they did, uh, which means, you know, there's a couple key attractions this weekend at Oakdale. Uh, Joe, this was fun. We appreciate the insight. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll do it again soon. I look forward to it. Hopefully on, on happier terms, guys. <laughs> yeah, and keep that phone under control. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs> All, right. All right, that's Joe Host, host of the Fairway Rolling Podcast and the Ringer gambling show uh, and our insider brought to you by don valley north lexus nice. we can expect excellence online in the showroom visit don valley north lexus.com good job justin i had a couple muted laughs during that interview you can let the laughs out oh yeah yeah it was good joe house what a guy what a lot to break through here break down at the canadian open which i'm seeing you know folks are there on the ground at oakdale getting some content coming for us and uh we'll hear from rory later on in the day when he's finished his round and that will bring lots of stuff lots of content lots of screenshots of his reactions on the podium i'm sure he's had a little bit of time to think about what his stance will be today yeah i think he's been preparing for it for a bit Mm -hmm. we're gonna find out it's time for something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meats Yum, yum, yum. We talked about this just briefly at the top of the show about some big NHL trades. Just trade season has started early, possibly, but Danny Breer making his first move as GM for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, a little bit long overdue, maybe, direction for this organization. You've got Columbus requiring Ivan Provorov, LA spending a first, second, First and second round picks to dump Cal Peterson on Philadelphia with the intention of signing Gavrikov with mm-hmm. that extra space. And then we Philly. Believe. Yeah, it's rumored. And Philly turns Provorov into three draft picks plus Sean Walker, former teammate of mine. Oh. That's right. Shawnee Walker. All of that happening yesterday in a little bit of a, not blockbuster, but a big NHL trade. 
Yeah, it was. And you look at that the way you laid it out. It just seems like everyone kind of got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it, it just it just feels very reasonable uh, uh, across trade. the board. I mean, spending a first and two second round picks to dump a goaltender with the intention of signing a guy you spent a reasonable amount of futures assets in order to get last year seems like a lot from the LA perspective, but that's the cost mm-hmm. of dumping a goaltender and the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans know that all too well. Interesting. Provorov going to Columbus. There's some rumors oh of whether or not Babcock really liked the guy before when he was helping run Maple Leafs drafts. So yeah, that's an interesting one, but like you look at it, Provorov's definitely the best player uh, and Columbus gets him and Columbus needs to win. And they certainly laid that out with their coaching hire. Hey, it's desperation time for Yarmo Kekalainen uh, and the Blue Jackets executive group. So interesting trade. Hopefully there are more. The Mike Babcock situation in Columbus will be maybe they need their own Netflix documentary behind the scenes full swing of that one yeah I don't know I don't know you don't think it's going to be like Columbus a again point of Col- Columbus is Columbus Babcock you'd think is Just you know the learned a thing the or two. Yeah, well, well, he might he? be we'll a little see. bit abrasive but some people some players are better when the coach is a little bit of a there's a little friction involved someone that played with Played under Mike Babcock to join us later in the show. J.S. Shigier. Shigier. Damn, I try, man. Come on. He's, the French gets me so nervous. I remember taking French from grade four to grade eight. It's like not not one part of it actually absorbed into my brain. No. You agree? Yes. I wish it wasn't that case. I wish I continued taking French because when I have a kid, they're going to be bilingual. Like it's so, it opens so many doors. Look at you, valedictorian dogs, Buddy, bilingual children who are going to so work many at doors. the government. Yeah, sure, whatever. Like you need to know another language. You can't be stumbling upon when I talk to Marie-Philippe <laughs> Poulain feeling nervous that I'm going to mispronounce bibliothèque. That's, that's, that's the yeah. only word I remember is a library. There are a couple, there are a couple words that just stick in your head. How to head. go to the and bathroom. Li- library. Everyone knows library. how to say library Everybody knows library. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's 8 o'clock. And then we'll have our buddy Ryan Dempster at, at 8.30. But we're going to do Tenable, Untenable after the break. Maybe uh, some of the topics we previously touched on might come up in our Tenable, Untenable rankings. See if uh, we can work through a couple there. And then we're giving away Blue Jays tickets, which we have been doing all week long. So you have to stay tuned for the code word for today for Wednesday's giveaway. That's for the game on Friday night. So if you want to go to the Blue Jays game Friday night, we're giving away tickets in the next half hour. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. or untenable that's awesome josh simon bennett oh my god I love I love it. It. can you do it again that was good dun, 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 dun. <laughs> tenable or untenable i feel like i'm in a marvel movie it's like uh who wants to be a millionaire? Like, I'm, I feel like I have a $64,000 question that awaits. You want to call a friend? You want to use a lifeline? I, I think the most, I think the best moment in television history was the guy who yeah, won well, and called. Called his dad with the million dollar question dad. and goes. He's like, I'm about to win a mill. Yeah, I don't have any questions. I just want to let you know I'm like that a million was. dollars. Boss move. 
the hardest move in game show history. 100%. 100%. Speaking of new shows, I think here we're getting a you, Toronto. You don't think you know. I, I know this. You know. Toronto Law, Law and, Order. and Order. And I I don't know when it comes out, but City TV, our besties here as well. Mm-hmm. Big day for the company. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about That's it. That's right. Big day for the company. They are getting Law and Order Toronto criminal intent. And they're going to use, like, I don't know, maybe real headlines to do it. But I want to find a way to get some stories, send some storylines to them, a couple mm. sports-related ones. Like, you know, Nick Nurse I mean, was you, a— you live in a condo. I feel like there's <laughs> some crime and that's true. some I, law and order that needs to be— no, But, like, I want it to be sports. You remember how Nick Nurse was on Murdoch Mysteries? Yes. And he did that little debut and was— Anyway. Are we ever going to see a four-of-our cameo in something? I'm available, City. Yeah? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. I think when things get quiet in the summer, we might have to do a like a fake Law & Order Toronto. But that's what I'm saying. We, we'll sit, put this in your back pocket. One day you and I will present a script on the air, and like you have to include a Toronto sports figure mm-hmm. and a Law & Order episode, and we'll send it over to the writers and see if they'll use it. Okay. Bernadeschi caught vaping <laughs> underneath the bleachers. <laughs> On a plane. <laughs> On a plane. I, you know, we'll figure it out. Anyway, spring 2024, Law & Order Toronto. Should we play the music one more time since we're actually going to start yeah, yeah, the yeah. segment then? Ready? Go. You can eat Tenable or untenable? It's good. Third it's time's really, really the charm. Good. All it's right. It's really good. Okay, do you want me to lead off? So Justin and I prepared a couple questions for each other. This is a situation tenable or untenable. It's our favorite word. Getting merch made. Let's do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a situation. We always debate this. It's not a question. It's a situation. So I'm going to give you a hip, hypothetical situation laid out by Ross Atkins. Ooh, okay. Hypothetically, he makes it so... That internal options, or he promises that internal options to replace Alec Manoa will carry the Blue Jays to the postseason. Untenable. Easy. That is not even, that should not even be on the table. You should have already been looking at options to assist with the Alec Manoa situation. Now we've gotten to the untenable range of Alec Manoa being sent to Dunedin to work on learning how to pitch again. You're already behind the eight ball. You should have already had external options in your mind. There's no internal options available because there's no depth on this roster. and There's no depth in this organization. So if you tell me Ross Atkins hypothetically wants to move forward for the rest of the season with Jay Jackson and co, it's not good enough. This team has World Series aspirations. They should be doing something at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline to bolster their starting rotation. Untenable. Yeah, the competition is too good. I think the Blue Jays can have a pretty good season without Alec Manoa. You just, you know, pluck him out off the roster and you're forced to just deal with whatever you have. I think in a different season, yeah, it would be enough when uh, six teams are making the playoffs in the American League. But right now, the Blue Jays are the seventh best team in the American League, two games back of the New York Yankees for the final wildcard position. I just don't, I think you have to be better in order to overcome what is just a, a small, small, deficit. Uh, you're trailing by only a little bit here. And the Yankees are in a tough spot. Aaron Judge on the I.L. 
well, and that, and that could help things a little mm-hmm. bit. But I just it, it's the Yankees. You gotta you gotta over you gotta be two games better than the Yankees with what you have. And Kevin Gosman only pitches and strikes out thirteen batters every fifth day. <laughs> I do think you have to be a little bit better than Bowden Francis. We'll see. We'll see, but I think you're going to have to be a little bit better than what you have internally because Tampa's making the playoffs, Texas making the playoffs, Minnesota has to make the playoffs, and I think Baltimore and Houston are locks. So it really just comes down to can you beat the Yankees with what you have? And right now, I think that's untenable. And you got to capitalize on the Yankees have not been healthy all year long. And now they got Aaron Judge and now I don't know how long. They just got Donaldson back. Like they have not had their moment yet. So this is the time to to really be making a push for it. You have World Series aspirations, not just to use AAA players, AAA pitchers for the rest of the season. So untenable. Okay. Tenable or untenable? Austin Matthews doesn't sign an extension by July 1st and says, quote, he wants to see how the season goes before deciding his future with the organization. The quote is the kicker there. Mm -hmm. He wants to see how the season goes before deciding his future with the organization. Mm -hmm. I couldn't just make it. He doesn't sign an extension. There's got to be like, he's, he says that and he gets you pondering. Is it tenable? It's that's why it's hard. I mean, it's it's untenable. It's untenable during the season. It's an untenable season, right? Like, I don't think you can do what you need to do Mm -hmm. with that hovering over you. That's a dark cloud that is just going to be there and be unavoidable and be such a distraction to everything. I think the situation, therefore, is untenable. That doesn't mean he's going to leave. Like, I think he could decide, hey, I want to see where the salary cap's going. I want to make sure that I'm signing for every single penny that I'm owed because, hey, I don't think the, uh, the PIF, what is it? Yeah, the PI, why can't I get that? The PIF, the public... Investment fund the PIF. is coming around to save the National Hockey League, or at least inject the National Hockey League with a bunch of money. He wants what he's owed, it seems, and I think he's going to use every lever and pull on every lever, rather, to get himself in that position. So I, I feel like it would really hurt the season, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's gone. However, if we're talking about the season, I think it's untenable. All right, your turn. You're not going to answer? Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm... <sighs> It's one of the Venn diagrams. It's right on the edge of being tenable. I think it would be untenable for us to have to talk about it all year mm, long, right? How did this losing streak affect Austin Matthews' chances? To, if he's no, not happy with his line mates, if they run the core four back, does Sheldon keep? Like, there's going to be way too many storylines. So just do it already. Hypothetically, tenable <laughs> or untenable, your future success and general happiness, so your world, oh boy, good and bad, hinges on Matthew Kachuk avoiding another 10-minute misconduct in the Stanley Cup final. He has three so far in two games. <laughs> That's as many goals as Jonathan Marcheseau has, and he's, of course, been the goal-storing story of the Stanley Cup final so far. So one more 10-minute misconduct for Matthew Kachuk, and your life goes to shambles. Tenable, untenable. My life is already in shambles. I think that I <laughs> will say this is tenable. Because I believe that Matthew Kachuk got a little bit of a wake-up call in the last two games, and he's going to dial it in. He's back at home. They get one wind under the belt. Then it's it's a dogfight. Like, you can actually have a chance. I think he's a leader. I think he got a little bit out of character. He was running around a little bit crazy in the last two games in Vegas. He's going to dial it back in. I'm going to put my happiness and future success and well-being in the hands of Matthew Kachuk, and I'm going to believe in him being the bigger person, getting on the scoreboard, getting this team back into a competitive series. 
Uh, it's untenable because I believe <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win two more games in this series, and I don't believe that Matthew Kachuk can behave himself in moments where, are, where they are losing mm. uh, those games, unless it comes in overtime where there's no opportunity, no time for him to act up. I think he's taking another one. <sighs> well, I'll just be miserable forever then. Okay, tenable, untenable. The Raptors don't have a head coach by the next time we do this segment, which is weekly. It's tenable. Okay. It doesn't matter. Why? There's nobody, there's, they're just continuing they're to no, shop they're around. They're in absolutely no rush. Mm-hmm. The NBA Finals does not, com- will not conclude in a week, at least I don't think. Uh, they're spacing this out. Nice for us. Um, and for that reason, they can be just like, oh, yeah, we wanted to, uh, we wanted Chris Quinn. We wanted to have a little meeting You're with him. You're not getting and a little anxious? He's been busy. Uh, Rick Adelman's son, David Adelman, is it? <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to him too. So, no, I'm not anxious. I mean, there's only 30 coaching jobs in the NBA. And I think someone, despite Ime Odoka rebuffing them, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters. Someone's going to want to do it. Someone really talented is going to want to do it. And why rush it? It's not like they're missing out on critical time to team build or get everyone on the same page. The Raptors know they can be patient. doesn't really matter to me. Okay. Tenable. I love that. I think it's also tenable. You can't have every situation be untenable. Well, that's not a reason to... Well, it's a good discussion point. Tenable or untenable? A society where we're all wearing $3,500 smart goggles. Oh, my God. This thing just... It made me mad when I saw it. So Mm. Apple came out with these... What are they called? Are they not smart goggles? They're so like Vision Pro. I don't even know what it oh, is. I just call just them smart the goggles. dumbest thing I've ever seen. And they're thirty five hundred dollars. Very untenable. If you walked in here wearing those, I'd quit the show. What? Is, what are you? What are we doing? Is it mixed reality? Is it AI? Like, are mm-hmm. you like going to be on the subway with that? I don't understand it. I also think it's it's ludicrously priced. But yeah. Untenable situation. Yeah, it's completely untenable. I mean, robots are taking over, right? Like, that's a big fear that everybody has. Is your job going to be like uh, extinct because robots can do it in two, three, four, five, ten years' time? That's something we all have to be concerned about. I'm scared about it. But what I don't want to concern myself with is people turning us into robots. Let the robots take over as they may. Just let me be me. I don't want smart goggles. Untenable. (laughs) You're correct. Uh, here's a text in just quickly about one of the ones we said. Matthews has to sign an extension bo- before July 1st. Otherwise, he could pull, pull a Johnny Goudreau. That's Chris in Beamsville. He can't sign before July 1st, 2023. He has to sign before 2024. Okay. He's got a full year to sign a contract. All right. Just... Which, I don't know, it's going to be untenable. Uh, be one other one here is the Raptors are waiting for Miami to finish the series before, the hi- before they hire Chris Quinn. I guarantee it. Ooh. I got your number written down. Lay your bets. Chris Quinn. Well, let's take a look. We should take a look at Chris Quinn. Um, okay. Here's a tenable untenable. People still using succession means memes after June ends. Uh, June is like, what, what is I it just about use, June? Just, just use June as a, okay. a very um, realistic point. Is the, I'm, I'm split on this one because there's some people I trust with them. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Wong, who produces the Raptors show. One, yeah. Every time he steps up to the plate with one, he kills it. Well, every tweet he kills, actually. But like, every, he's never had a bad tweet. I know. I don't understand. I thought I had a banger yesterday. Terrible. Um, <laughs> other people, though, people who are trying so desperately to use their fandom of the show to make a connection to the world they live in or the other interests they have, they're they're batting about 150 right now. Worse. Alex Wong, 850. Everybody else, 150. I trust some people. I don't trust others. It's time for us to move on because uh, 
there's the, the the failure rate is increasing rapidly. yeah it's getting to be every time that there is something in the universe that happens there's a succession meme for it and i'm guilty of it too but i got i'm like oh it's the meme. What, do i have the meme do i have a meme yesterday i probably saw the same thing i'm not even exaggerating 75 times i'm convinced people are now watching shows with that's the only thing yeah, they're like, thinking about it's like the subtitles meme. are on meme. how can i use that subtitle and clip it and use it later but i said june as like okay you have a couple more weeks to get them out of the hole like get, <laughs> get them out of the system okay. and then once july hits you're at least a month removed from the end of succession show? you know let's let that stay in the past i miss succession as well but not everything is a succession meme Tenable, untenable, and sorry to craw, Daddy, uh, but the RBC Canadian Open running smoothly <laughs> and without revolt amid the chaos that is Jay Monahan handing professional golf to the Saudis is an impossibility. That is untenable. I think this weekend, what well, depends what you think is running smoothly. I think the tournament will run smoothly. I think that the players will certainly be, and deservingly so, will have their opportunity to talk on this. And... I encourage it because this is a, a really massive moment in sport, in the history, in the future of golf. We're going to hear from Rory McIlroy in the next couple hours. I hope he uses that platform to speak his mind because this is this is something that we're going to look back on for a very long time. Which side of what side do you want to be on, right? And it doesn't matter, but it matters how you present yourself. And I think the players will have an opportunity to do so. I still think that RBC Canadian Open will run smoothly, but there will be some interesting things. There might be, there might be spectators that are a little upset. Like I don't know, you can't bring signs in, but can you, can you, you know, yell like at Shooter McGavin, you know, when he's putting? Like I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I don't think it's going to go without one thing we talk about on Monday that that you know we have to bring up. Yeah, right? there might be a couple things they got an iron out, but I think everything will be all right. I think the US Open next week is going to be really really interesting because all the parties will be there. Mm-hmm. Every single person with the exception I guess of Greg Norman will be there. And when everyone converges on one area because this is only some people. This is only just the appetizer to what is what will really be uh yeah, something but it's fresh and people are emotional. Yeah, and I do think it'll f- affect some players. Like I don't I'm going to be fading Rory McIlroy. Oh, I'm the opposite. You think? I you think, think, he's gonna be, I think I think he he's has gonna something to prove this week. Okay. This is his moment to sh- like shut a lot of people up. I don't know. But he's lost. Okay, but this is what I'm going to say. Yeah, well, he's going to be playing with something to prove. He's either going to win by 10 strokes or he's going to miss the cut. <laughs> There's no in between. Well, if that's the case, then anything, any news can motivate him because it seemed like he was motivated by like, Mm-hmm. Hey, we're gonna show you, and now he's been shown something. So how does he react to that? I'm not it's just, really. It's just I, however I, is it you're viewing it at glass half empty or glass half full, right? Yeah, that's right. But I'm a half full person, so okay. Um, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> this one. We continue to use Marner, Nylander, and Matthews all together as comparison points for every single post entry level contract signed forevermore. Cole Caulfield. Yeah. They're I, trending I, every time that somebody signs any contract in the NHL. Well, this is a forever thing, right? Okay, well, signed forevermore. Remove the word forevermore. No, I'm going to I'm going to use my I'm going to use forevermore to answer the question because it, it's untenable because these contracts are up soon. Mm-hmm. Like they're no longer going to be reference points because they don't last very much longer, right? Like Nylander, Matthews, one year left. Marner, two years left. I mean, we're going to reach a certain point where we just talk about this in the past as, hey, 
the Maple Leafs really blew it with those contracts, didn't they? Yeah. Are they the only ones who got completely blindsided and railroaded by the pandemic? Maybe. Is it just, you know, is it just an ill-fated moment in the history of this franchise? Maybe. Or did they kind of mess it up a little bit? They kind of messed it up a little bit, if we're being honest with ourselves. But they were also kind of damaged and hurt by the fact that the salary cap didn't go up. And right now, they got to continue to build with no wiggle room around these guys because they put themselves in their, this position, but also because of the pandemic and other things. I'm just sick of seeing someone sign a contract and then all the Leafs are trending. Here's a listener submission. You want to get to one? Yeah. Ross from Mimico. Untenable. A thank you video for Kyle Dubas when he returns to Toronto with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, It's going to happen, though. That's, or, a, that's I, untenable. I will say it won't be a video. It'll be a photo of him up on the video board during one of the commercial breaks. I actually don't think it'll happen. I, I think it will. And it'll say... Thank you, Kyle. I don't think it happens. Oh, okay. Kyle didn't thank them when he was in Pittsburgh. Be the bigger person. But no, nah, that's not. You that's, don't think I, I, I think. They won't acknowledge it at all. I don't think Shani and Dubas will play nice. I think they're done. I think uh, that bridge is burned. And I do not think Brennan Shanahan, who will have final say on these matters, I believe, will allow that's true. this organization or does he want to, to acknowledge erase him. the memory of that Tension That's pretty embarrassing too. Hey, let's applaud the guy who brought no success to this franchise. I understand like he's a good GM and he's a person that you wanted to be here. But why are we applauding the person who we fired <laughs> and who didn't give us what he promised he would, which was success that he would bet his career on? We'll have to wait a couple months to find out. It's a good one, though. Nathan and Beaverton says, I guarantee the PGA did this to make season two of Full Swing better than the first. They want to be the next succession. It needed to be better. There you go. Uh, last one. Tenable, yeah. untenable. Hole zero at the RBC Canadian Open. So For those who don't know, hole zero is, I guess, they're calling it zero. It's kind of like the 19th hole mm -hmm. where some people, fans, will be allowed to actually complete a golf hole on the grounds of the RBC Canadian Open. You and I are going Saturday. Some people as in us. We are going to be able to do this, apparently, <laughs> based on the tickets that we secured. Oh, buddy, I got us in on there. So, yeah, basically your clout. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know all the information here, but being around tens of thousands of people and having to complete a golf hole, that feels untenable to me. This is what my quick exp explanation for you. The activation will have fans be treated to a clubhouse, a caddy, a swing coach, gear, and an official leaderboard, giving them everything they need to compete and play a full hole. You don't even have to show up with your clubs or anything. You're going to play hole zero. It's a par three, and it's... Do we have the yardage? Um... <laughs> no. If this is like a 220-yard par I don't par have it three, in front of me. I'm going to be hitting a spectator. <laughs> like I, I need, I need ninety yards. Okay, I'll get that information for you uh, while we take a break. But first, we're going to give away Blue Jays tickets. Blue Jays excited to celebrate Pride Month at the ballpark on June 9th and 10th with the fourth annual Pride Weekend presented by TD. We have tickets to give away all week long. So to enter, listen for the daily code word and text it into five ninety five ninety. Today's code word is. Minnesota Twins. Blasphemous. Text Minnesota Twins to 59590 right now for your chance to win tickets to this Friday's game against the Minnesota Twins. Wow, coincidence. Friday's game will also feature a rainbow flag jersey giveaway, pregame festivities, community initiatives, and more. So text in Minnesota Twins to 59590. It'll be exciting weekend, Pride weekend at, at the ballpark. Should be Kikuchi on the mound. 
should be a great time. Make sure you get there early because there's lots going on at the ballpark. Minnesota Space Twins. You got this. 595.90. Oh, I see them coming in. People are spelling Minnesota wrong. Come on, folks. Who's after the break, Justin? After the break, we have Ryan Dempster at 830. But before that, that, John Sebastian Jaguar. You killed it. Nice.